Well, it's in challenging times that we turn our eyes to Jesus and turn our eyes to the Word, the thing that doesn't change. And so we're getting into the Bible today. That book, which is the solid rock of our hope, I invite you to get to get your Bibles and open them, if you would, to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And Abraham was going through a time much like we've just experienced here in our congregation at the well. And those of you watching on your screens, our faraway friends, you're going through stuff too and we want to pray for you. So don't feel excluded by this. We, we want to pray for the things you're going through too. Abraham was going through a devastating time in Mesopotamia and in the land of the Chaldeans. There's the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible and it's the most holy part of the scripture to the Jews and to Jesus too. He talked about the Torah and the prophets and the writings. And there's something called the oral Torah, the unwritten Torah, which predates the Torah. The Torah was written down later. And in the oral Torah, we're told that Abraham had broken some of his father's idols. His father was an idol maker. And his father was so enraged that he tried to have him killed. And I can't imagine anything worse than your father wanting you dead. We crave the blessing of our fathers. We can do okay without that, but it's hard. And the blessing that we get from our fathers and people like fathers in our lives is so essential. People would crawl over ground glass to get that in the Old Testament. You know the stories of the patriarchs, Jacob and Esau, and the blessing of their father Isaac. And Abraham didn't have that. And he was called into something different. So today we're going to look at Abraham's calling, Acts 7, 1 through 8. And for those of you new to the well, I'm Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher. And we're going to look at Stephen's speech. Stephen was one of the deacons or one of the servants, one of the people in charge of food service. And very often, if you volunteer for something here in the church, you could end up being called to something higher. You might think, well, I'm just setting out donuts, I'm just making coffee. And that was Stephen, but he was called to be the greatest preacher in the book of Acts. And he started operating in acts of power and healing and other things. And the religious authorities, religious authorities came down on him, and he was hauled in front of them. And here we have, in chapter 7, his speech, and he starts with Abraham. The speech doesn't end well. The speech ends with Stephen being stoned, and it's probably one of the worst ways to die. I can't imagine anything worse than that, where people pick up rocks and surround you and kill you by throwing them at you. God asks us, we're going to get to the story in just a second, but I want to say something first. Sometimes God asks us things that we think we can't do. We think, oh my goodness, the Bible says I'm supposed to do this, but how can I do that? I can't do it. I can't fulfill that. Here's some typical ones. You might want to add a few yourselves. Love your enemies. If you don't have enemies, you probably should have enemies. Otherwise, you're, you're not doing enough in life. 
But if you're doing a few things in life and making some headway, you're going to have some enemies. And Jesus tells us to love our enemies. We say, well, I can't do that. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is really hard when people maliciously hurt us. And Jesus says we should forgive 70 times 7. And we have little ways of getting around that. Well, I'll forgive but not forget, which means I'm going to, you know, I understand that, but really what it's saying is I'm going to hang on to that grudge. Now, please hear me. You don't have to trust someone when you forgive them. There's people who don't deserve your trust, people who abuse you, that kind of thing. You have to forgive them, but you don't have to trust them. But we often hang on to just a little bit of unforgiveness because it makes us feel superior or something. Here's the one in California which no one keeps, Sabbath keeping. Resting for one day a week. Oh, I'm too busy for that. I can't do that. I got too much going on. Can't do it. Keeping sex within marriage. Well, that's unrealistic. But God's pretty clear about that. Have no fear, Jesus says. Be anxious about nothing. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. God takes care of them. Well, Lord, that's just not practical. I can't do that. Or giving a full tithe, 10% to the work of the Lord. Even though the Lord promises blessings with that. I don't think there's a church anywhere that has a higher percentage of tithers than us here at the well. This is a very generous congregation. I just We're sending out the quarterly giving reports, and this is an amazing congregation. And a lot of you know the joy of tithing. But there are people who say, well, I can't do that. That's, you can't afford it. I can't do that. God asks us to do things, and we think, I can't do that. So let's look at the story here, and let's see what happens when God asks Abraham to do something. Abraham is living in Mesopotamia. Abraham is not a Jew. There are no Jews yet. There's no Israel yet. There's no Bible yet. This is before all that stuff. He doesn't even speak Hebrew. He comes from Mesopotamia. Speaks probably Chaldean, which we call Aramaic. And he's got this relationship with God and the oral Torah. The tradition says that his father tried to kill him or have him killed. So here we have the speech of Stephen. And Stephen is asked, do you have anything to say for yourself before we stone you? And he says, well, I'll start with Abraham. Acts 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 1. And the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? These accusations that somehow you're coming down on the temple, you're coming down on the Torah, you're coming down on the law. This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, I'm going to teach you a Hebrew phrase which is really easy. Lech Lecha. Come away with me. Say it after me. One, two, three. Lech Lecha. 
And God calls all of us all the time into what we're supposed to be doing every day. Question is, are we listening? Are we receptive to what he has to say to us? God told him, Lech Lecha, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Hmm. Notice something interesting here. He doesn't tell him where he's taking him. Doesn't say he's taking him to a country which will be called Israel someday. Doesn't even say he's taking him to Canaan, which it was called at the time. I'm taking you somewhere. If you've not been frustrated with God about this method he has, you're not paying attention. Because God almost never tells us exactly where he's taking us. That's his MO. And there's a good reason for that. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. We don't know the future. In fact, we are forbidden from going to fortune tellers and finding out the future. We're forbidden from obsessing about the future. Why? Because if we know the future, it takes away our moral agency in the present. Who's seen the Back to the Future movies? If you know the future, you start to arrange your life around the way things are going to work out, and you lose your sense of right and wrong. And it's a mess. Lech Lecha, take, leave your native land, come away with me and your relatives, and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died, his father who tradition tells us tried to kill him. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. He's talking to the folks there trying to stone him in Jerusalem. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. There was nothing in his circumstances that showed that God was going to keep his promise. He owned no real estate. He was a renter. Nothing was his. He had to buy property for a grave, for goodness sake, because there was no room to, to bury him. Who here has been frustrated by the promises of God and there's no evidence in your circumstances that it's coming to, coming to pass? None at all. The checkbook still bleeds red. You're still not sure about what you should be doing vocationally. The healing has not yet shown up on the doctor's records. And God says to us, Lech Lecha, come away with me, but I won't tell you where you're going. Great. How do we follow a God who doesn't give us specifics about where we're going? Lech Lecha in Hebrew is a very common phrase in the Old Testament. Let's roll. Let's go. Let's go. This happens in big ways when God tells us to do big things, but it happens every day when God calls us into the day every morning. Lech Lecha, come away with me. Come with me to what I will show you. Alan's got a beautiful prayer. Alan has been pastoring, shepherding our Alpha Course. He's got people that he shepherds all over North America that we didn't even know before Alpha. We've become friends of ours. 
And he has a prayer in the mornings, Lord, show me one, give me one, give me one person to share your love with today. What a great prayer. He never tells you who it's going to be. <laughs> he never tells you where it's going to happen. But he calls you out into that. It's like a road that goes out into the fog. And we don't see the destination. When my wife and I lived in Germany, we borrowed her parents' Volkswagen Scirocco, which would go 200 kilometers an hour. I don't know what that is in miles, but it's fast. And we'd be on the Autobahn, which has no speed limit. And very often, you'd be cruising along in the sunshine, and all of a sudden, you'd hit a fog bank. Because it happens a lot in Germany. There's even signs where they're Nebel, which means fog. Watch out for the fog, because it, poof, you hit it, and you can't see anything. And that's how our lives are sometimes. We're driving along, and all of a sudden, we don't see the destination. What is so emotionally satisfying about Waze, if you've got Waze on your phone, is you can actually put the destination in. And it brings you exactly to where you're going within a few feet. That's not how God operates. Karen, when you're putting together this clinic, you just never know where it's going to go sometimes. You get on the plane, you go down there, and God opens doors. Lek, leka, come away with me and we'll show you how it's going to go. We can't afford this. We can't do this. I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. All the different things we say. And Abraham could have missed his calling. Why? Why does God not tell us where he's taking us? A couple reasons. One, I don't believe he wants our obedience based on the outcome. I think he wants our obedience based on the invitation. Do you understand the difference? He wants our, our obedience based on the invitation, not the outcome. Plus, it gives us time to process. There's something about processing things with the Lord. Our prayer time should be about processing our calling from the Lord. When he says, lek leka, processing what that means. What does this mean for how I put my day together? What does this mean for how I schedule things? What does this mean for where I go with my car? What does this mean about my receptivity towards other people that cross my path? You ever notice the same people cross your path over and over and over? Those are the people the Lord is trying to get you connected with. Pay attention to those people. Abraham was going from one world to another. He was going into a country where he didn't speak the language, where he didn't own any land, and he was given this promise that, by the way, your ancestors will inhabit the whole thing. And he had nothing to go on. People, Abraham had no Bible. He had no written promises. All he had was the spoken invitation from God, lek, lek, ah, come away with me. Nothing to go on. How many of you rely on the Bible from time to time or are glad it's there? Didn't have it. It hadn't been written yet. He's the first main character of the regular part of the Bible. And here we have in Genesis 12 him getting called. Genesis 1 through 11 is like proto-history, floods, creation, Eden, all that stuff. But with Abraham, it starts to look like the world we live in. And the first one to get called was Abraham. 
And he's the father of everyone with faith. He's called from one world into another. And we're called that way every day. And someday when we go to be with the Lord, we'll be called from this world into another. And God will call us to eternity. Come away with me. And guess what? We can't picture it, can we? We really can't picture the afterlife. It's moving from one world to another. But we do that every day. Every day we move from one day into another day that we don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know what's going to come our way. We've been hit with some nasty stuff here in this church. We don't know exactly where God's leading us with it. We'll have to see. And we'll have to trust. And that's hard. Getting back to that question here. God's big asks. Tamara and Bud and I were at a meeting and there was a fantastic message by Steve Perkins. Steve Perkins is the new leader of the ARC, the Alliance of Renewal Churches. Wendy was there. Tamara was there. Bud was there. I was there. We met with him on Thursday. He's the new leader of one of our faith families, the Alliance of Renewal Churches. A lot of churches just like the well. Spirit-filled churches, Bible-based churches, great folks that we've known for the whole time our church has been around. And he had a phrase I'll never forget. God will never ask you to do anything you cannot do. If God asks us to do it, that means we can do it. What does that mean for this list? Remember the list? He asks us to love our enemies because what? We can do it asks us to forgive 70 times 7 because he believes we can. He doesn't ask us to do things we can't do. So if we say we can't, that's not true. If God asks us to do it, we are capable of doing it with his help. Sabbath keeping. Oh, I can't keep a Sabbath. I'm too busy. Yeah, you can. And you'll get more done in six days than you do in seven, by the way. Because our bodies and our souls need rest in order to work from that place of rest. Sex within marriage. He asks us to keep a full sexual relationship within marriage because he knows that we can do that. Have no fear. Be anxious for nothing. That is possible, or he wouldn't ask us to trust. Giving a tithe. He wouldn't ask us to give a tithe if it wasn't possible. If it's possible, God will never ask us to do something we cannot do. So, some practicalities. Abraham had no Bible. Sometimes we have to rely on the direct call from the Holy Spirit. People say, oh, the Bible's sufficient. You don't need to listen to the Holy Spirit. No, the Bible is not sufficient. The Bible won't tell you whom to marry. The Bible won't tell you where to move and where to live. The Bible won't tell you what vocation to take. The Bible will tell you some good general stuff, which is true for everybody. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't murder. You know, the good stuff is for everybody, but it won't give you specifics. Specifics have to come from the Lord directly, and he calls us every single day. Every single day he calls us into that day to, to do what he has us do, to meet that one person that you ask for, to move forward into the day that he gives us. Every single day is a lek day. 
Abraham had no Bible, but he was obedient, which means even without the Bible, we could be obedient for those things that aren't in the Bible. Folks, California is not mentioned in the Bible. What we do here, most of our professions didn't exist in the Bible times. And God might call us into one of those professions. A lot of the things that we do aren't even in there. We need to stand on the Bible. The Bible is true for everyone, but for specific stuff, we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has an individual calling on each person. How many of you, like me, have just gone through the day and not even thought about the Holy Spirit's calling on the day? And you wonder why it didn't go too well. It doesn't take a lot. A little 15-second prayer in the morning, Lord, you're calling me out into this day. Send me one. Guide me. Show me what to say, what not to say. That's really important, by the way, when we've had some death in in our faith family here. It's important to know what not to say to people who've lost someone. I was once at a church and, and somebody had lost a young daughter and someone says, well, God just wanted an angel on his lap. And don't say that to people. That's very painful. And besides, you don't know exactly what God thinks about that anyways. Knowing what to say and what not to say. The Bible says there's a time for speaking and a time for refraining from speaking. To ask for that guidance as we go through our day. Here's a big one. Rethink what you cannot do. If there's things on that list or other things that God's called you to do that you've said your whole life, I can't do that. Rethink that. Rethink that. Because if God calls you to do it, you can do it. Everything he calls us to do is possible. Get beyond sin management. A lot of people go to church just to get their sins forgiven. Martin Luther once said 500 years ago, he used to be that way. He, he would go to confession before his faith really came alive and he'd bore the poor confessor to death with all the little sins he'd committed. And the guy finally told him, get a life and get out there and go do something because you're obsessing on your sins. We... we you know, you can just trust that Jesus has forgiven your sins and move on. The devil wants to remind you of all your old sins. We talked about that this morning in our prayer group. The devil wants to remind you of all your old sins and have you revisit them. As far as east is from the west, the Lord has removed your sin from you, so move on. Move on. Get beyond sin management and move into a spirit-led life and a spirit-led day and answering the call of Lech Lecha to move, to move on with him. To ro let's just get moving. Your vocation. As a pastor, people often ask me, when, Pastor, when did you receive the call? Like this holy thing, the call. Every vocation has an equal call. And everyone has a vocation. You say, I'm retired. No, you have a vocation. It may not pay anything, but you have a vocation. Your vocation is God's call. Voc what do you call vocalization? That's called God calling us. God speaking to us. God calls us into our lives, and everybody has a vocation. Until you're dead, you have a vocation. And that vocation is never revoked, and it's dynamic, and it changes every single day. I get so tired of, did you receive the call, as if other people don't have that. We, we all have calls. 
my, my only calling is not to ministry. I'm also called to make stuff and do things. And I made a, a stand for our porta potty for, for, uh, for camping just a couple days ago. That was, that's just as much a call as anything. Just as much a call as anything. It was really fun to do, by the way, too. You put the wood together and you know, hold, stick it right on there. But, and I'm saying that not to be funny. I'm saying that to say the little things God calls us to do are just as much a calling as save the world. God might call you to make a really nice meal this evening. There's nothing that's outside of God's call. Tamara and Kim and I are not the only ones in this room with a call. We all have callings. Refocus your prayer life. Rather than just a bunch of stuff you want to happen, how about, Lord, make me receptive to where you're leading me today. Tell me who I need to talk to. Tell me what to say and what not to say. Tell me where to go today. Tell me how to be today. Every day is a calling from the Lord. Refocus your prayer life from sin management and just a, a laundry list of things you want to, Lord, I'm here. Send me. There's gutters. There's two gutters, two gutter balls, two gutters in the bowling alley here. One is moving on with too much certainty in life. The Bible says, don't say you're going to do this tomorrow. Say if the Lord wills it. That's in the book of James. Too much certainty. This is going to happen. That's what I'm going to do. You've got to be flexible if you follow God. And the other gutter ball is, I don't know what's going on, so I'll just sit here and do nothing. Until I hear directly from God, until I get a receipt in printing, I'm not going to do anything. Those, those are the two gutters. There's a lot of wood in the middle. And that's where we have to negotiate our relationship with God. I'm going to close by talking about uh, listening to God in my own life and in Wendy's. We lived in Minnesota and we had a thing called the plan. And the plan was that Wendy would retire from working at the airline so we could have lifetime flight benefits. That we would keep our son in the, in the Lakeville Public Schools, which were some of the finest public schools in the country. The palaces when you walk into these places. That I would never be a senior pastor because it's way more fun not to be in charge it's way more fun to be an associate pastor then you can just goof around and you don't have to be there every Sunday all the time and there's things you can get done and you don't have to worry about raising money or anything like that so you just you know it's it's a great gig so I promised myself I would never be a senior pastor and that we were going to pay off our $170,000 house because that's what they cost in Minnesota at the time I went to a, a course called Cleansing Stream and there was a thing called, there was a, a session called consecration where we put our plan on the altar. So we were supposed to write out our plan for our lives and we were supposed to put it on the altar and give it over to God. And I said, Lord, I'll, I'll put that there if you promise to give it back. Because when, when Abraham offered Isaac, he got, he got Isaac back. So I'll put it on the altar and I'll be very pious. And I'll put it there and I'll get it back, right? And he says, put it on the altar. I've got, well, if I can get some reassurance from you, Lord, that I can get the plan back. So, put it on the altar. My son ended up in the California schools 
Wendy couldn't find a job in the airlines because a whole bunch of things went wrong with the airline industry when we moved. We took on a $550,000 mortgage when we moved to California. And I had to be a senior pastor. All within a few months of putting it on the altar. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm just saying make sure you put your plan on the altar. I am so glad that we listened when God said, come away. Our life would have been infinitely poorer in many ways if we'd stayed where we were. Would have known any of you, which would have been an incredible loss. And all the opportunities that we've had here and all the things that we've done wouldn't have come to, wouldn't have come to pass. Don't be afraid to put the plan on the altar. Invite the worship team up, of the worship team of one. So what Hebrew phrase did you learn today? And now when God says that, you'll know what it means. Come away with me. And if you can say, like Isaiah, hear my, send me, you're in for quite an adventure. Let's pray. Lord, all of our roads in life lead into the fog. But you've promised that you have, you have a, a good plan for us to give us a hope and a future. And you purposely don't tell us the whole story so we can process this with you. Teach us to follow, Lord, the invitation and not the result. Help us to draw a line through those things which we believe we can't do that you've asked us to do. Help us to erase I can't from our vocabulary when you ask us to do things in your word and in your direct communication with us. Lord, I pray for mornings where we don't check the phone first, we listen for you first. And Lord, we give you thanks for this congregation, Lord. These people are gathered here online and in person because they're eager to hear from you. We believe we're in the presence of a God who speaks, a God who calls. Lord, we confess that sometimes we pretend like you're not speaking so we don't have to listen. Quiet our busy minds so we can... Trust your calling on our lives. And like Abraham, be willing to go where you call us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm going to have Stan come up here and pray a blessing over people. And uh, just invite you to open up your hands and receive all the Lord that has for you today. What does he say when you can't do this? <laughs> Anyways, you know, you know we all um, fall short. And we all forget sometimes that all of God's promises are yes and amen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in, the, in the good times and in the tough times. And just the, the way back to him is always the repentance. So if we can repent of ever doubting that he's true, ever doubting that he can do it, ever doubting that we can do what he asks us to do, we need to repent. And that's uh, it's like a boulevard you can take. Okay, I'm struggling, I, I need to turn around, I need to get back to God, take a U-turn and get on Repentance Boulevard and it'll be a highway to the Lord. So I thank you, Lord, as we all uh, will have a walk of repentance and we come back to you, Lord. We come back speeding to you in that diamond lane of uh, grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for everything today in Jesus' name. Amen. Get the boulevard and uh, take a note at the